The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in, as always, to Dose of Leadership. Let me ask you a question. Can you remember how it felt to have that curiosity of a child? I feel like I'm insatiably curious all the time. Ever since as far as I can remember, I've always been curious about things, always wanting to learn things. I think that's a prerequisite to leading a significant life is always asking and digging and trying to find out more. And I think it's something you're born with. I have asked that question many times. Is that something you can teach somebody? But if you look at a child, if you look at a kid, they are most of them are insatiably curious. If you think back to your childhood, remember all the questions that you were asking? Why is this? Why is this guy's blue? Everything else. Endless questions inspired your day when you were a kid. And somehow, unfortunately, life starts to bury that desire, I think, right? We get shot down, we get maybe ridiculed, rejected, or our grumpy parents, and I know I'm guilty of this, for just saying because I said so or I don't know. And then the more as you go through life, it seems like life and the questions begin to feel more limited, and and we find ourselves kind of in this mediocrity, soul-sucking status quo, right? Wondering what happened. Well, that's why I'm so excited to have today's guest on the show. It's Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen. Mark is probably best known as the co-author of the wildly popular Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. He's an entrepreneurial powerhouse, marketing genius. He's a sought-after keynote speaker. He's spoken to well over 7,000 audiences in 78 countries. His wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, she's a celebrity coach, fantastic entrepreneur in her own right, wellness, nutrition expert, business strategist, speaker author, and expert on the field of human potential. And together, Crystal and Mark are this power couple of, of positivity, and they got a brand new book that I just think is fantastic. It's called Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. It's an incredible book, and it really came to me at a right time when I was kind of in a funk and kind of reminded me the power of asking questions, the power of curiosity, which I think is a prerequisite, again, to a life of significance, but certainly a requirement if you're going to be in the leadership business. And in this conversation, we explore, obviously, the key elements of their books, the three channels of asking, asking yourself, asking others, and asking God, what does that all mean? The seven roadblocks, which I think is very eye-opening, and you're going to see how those roadblocks affect you. Certainly, I have probably gone through all seven of those roadblocks that prevented me from asking the right questions, you know, from unworthiness or feelings of unworthiness, naivete, doubt, excuses, fear, pattern paralysis, disconnection from our dreams, all those things that prevent us from asking questions. And the and the thing that gets me excited, and think about this, is that we are literally one decision, one question away from radically transforming our life. And that's the power behind this book and the, the idea about how and when to ask the right questions. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. 
Let me know what you think about this episode. Subscribe, rate, and review this show. That's my only call to action for you today is to make sure that if you haven't subscribed to this show, please do so and tell somebody about this show. Go to my website, send me an email, richard at doseofleadership.com, or fill out the contact form page on there and let me know what you think about the show. And if you need somebody to speak, teach, and coach about leadership, check out the website. I'm your guy to satisfy all those needs, and we can do it virtually as well. And if you're interested in joining my Dose of Leadership University, I'm going to be opening up new slots in January. So if you're interested in that, again, let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. The show is brought to you by my sponsor, brand new sponsor, Hutton. Hutton designs, builds, and services commercial construction projects all throughout the Midwest. They're longtime fans of this podcast, and they're committed to the highest standards of leadership. I'm so proud that they're supporting Dose of Leadership as a sponsor. They're behind so many construction projects, stunning structures built from the ground up, from remodeled hospitals, medical offices, manufacturing and industrial facilities, financial institutions, churches, schools, all spaces, all sizes. If there's a hard hat involved and there's a drawing board, Hutton's probably behind it. And these days, they are both architects and builders, and that's what you want. If you're building something, a single trusted partner to work with from start to finish, they get that at Hutton. Their vision's delivered from paper to structure. And it's more than a construction project. It's a creative endeavor. And what I love about them is they put people over projects, always. That's how it goes when they, how they treat their clients, how they treat their employees, how they interact within the community. Character counts for them, and that's important for me. That's why I'm glad they're a sponsor here on the show. It's not lip service. I know the CEO personally. He's the real deal. They're professional. They're hardworking. They're charitable. Midwestern values in all the best ways. That's their culture. It's who they are. That's Hutton. If you want to learn more, go check them out at HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. That's HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. All right, again, thanks for tuning into the show. Let's get on with the conversation with Mark and Crystal Hansen here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Mark and Crystal, I'm so excited to have you on Dose of Leadership. I can't believe I'm talking to you. This is great. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Richard. We're happy to be here. We think everybody needs a new level of visionary leadership, so we're elated to be on this show with you. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's coming at a right time. I consider myself a fairly positive guy, and I love asking questions. It's huge. And let me just say, there's two things. People have asked me on this. This podcast is eight years old. And some people, one of the questions I get asked all the time is like, well, how did you get these people to come on the show? And I said, I don't mean to sound flippant, but I just asked. And it's amazing how, you know, sometimes the big names and be like, how did you get that? It must be impossible. I said, you know what? I just asked them an honest, you know, I didn't know fluff. I just straight asked them. And it's amazing how many people, that's a big lesson for me from being entrepreneurial and starting the show. Uh, so this is why I think your book is so great, and and I'm a firm believer. But I got to be reminded myself. I mean, I have I have been, as we all are, in challenging situations. But reading your book, and and of course your stuff is so inspirational and and so powerful. It's been personally for me, your your work has been meaningful for many years. So it's it's an honor to have you on the show. Well, let's talk about that. Why do you think this book is so important now? I mean, you were talking, Crystal, before the recording that you thought this book was so relevant for the time. Why do you think that is? Well, what happened is, is that we've traveled like you a lot. I mean, I've got, you know, because you're with American, three million miles on my little <laughs> butt on airline seats. And I've sat right. with a lot of captains deadheading, as you know. Yeah. But um, as we've traveled to 80 countries and talked to 7 million people, what we discover is they're wonderful people, smart people, professional people, likable people. But the difference... Richard, between those who cut it and those who don't is one thing and one only. And, and while you're saying it seems easy, most people get to their destination. And that's why we did the book title, 
ask exclamation mark the bridge from your dreams to your destiny we think it's one of the best covers ever and i've got written 312 books so i'm pretty keen on this one sold a half billion books but it is is amazing to me that that's even possible that somebody didn't do the title ask somebody didn't try to go deep on it and what we did is when we we're doing self-exploration we said look when we've had a problem the way we got out of it every time is we asked our way out and then what we did is we did the full research at the universities of Stanford, Harvard, Cambridge, and they said, ask is, a, is revelatory and, and uh, illuminating. And then we interviewed the 26 Vector Askers, and it just unfolded as one of the more extraordinary, glorious projects of my life, I'm thankful to say. We got lightning in a bottle for a second time. That's so awesome. I mean, the power of asking the right questions and how we do it. And I love how you go into, I really would like to go into the, the, the seven roadblocks because so many of those resonate with me and even fighting myself even recently, you know, like how I reframe the question. So where do we want to start? I mean, there's so much we want to dive into. What do you think is a good place to start in, in diving into this material? Right. Well, I think, you know, I think we want to start out uh, as we were as children, because when we come into this world, Richard, we're all born with this innate ability to just ask. And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's a, a thing that serves our growth. Um, exponentially every day. We come in go, wanting to know who, where, when, when, what, how. And we also want to ask for more, more, more constantly, mm -hmm. right? Children are unashamed in their asking. And then life starts to happen, you know, whether it's the way we were parented, the way what happened at school, our jobs, and just basic life rejection. Um, that beautiful ability to ask starts to get crushed out of us. Yeah. And we start to feel almost ashamed that we don't have all the answers. We feel ashamed to admit that we don't have answers. So we just stay quiet. Um, you know, we feel like we're imposing on someone or we're afraid of rejection. And so instead of asking, which opens up every avenue, we just, we just stop and we stay stuck in whatever situation we're in. And it's just, it's really sad. Our goal is to wake up that beautiful spirit of asking that we were all born with. Right. It, it is innate in us, right? And you're absolutely right when you bring up and you and all of us who've raised kids. And we remember when we were kids ourselves, you know, and it's like how many times the kids are always asking why, why, why is this, why that, you know, and as a parent, you don't have the answers. And, and even kind of subtly, because of your frustration, you don't know the answer to why. And you kind of shut that down, right? Even kind of in your frustration or just because you're tired or whatever. But you're absolutely right that when you watch a kid, it's it's innate in them, right? And somehow life, as you said, it kind of sucks it out of them. And so how do how it's so it's in us, and that's what I heard you say that it's already in us. Now we just got to unleash it again, right? The seven and roadblocks in just one second, but talk about kids. We're in Hawaii two years ago because we were talking about that before the show began, and our little grandson calls up, and he'd just gotten a brand new. I'm going to call it a Dick Tracy watch. You may be right. old enough to remember <laughs> yeah, yeah. those, but you're talking to your watch. Right. It's called a gizmo. And you can only call his parents and grandparents. And we're grandparents, parents of five, grandparents of six, concurrently, and probably going to 12. But he calls up and says, Grampy and Mimi, can I talk to you privately? And like, we're alone in Hawaii like, <laughs> on right. the beach. And so said, cute. yeah. I said, where are you? He said, I'm hiding in the closet. And I'm afraid something's wrong. And he said, do you know those books you wrote, those chicken soup for the soul books? I said, yes, son. What is it? He said, you, can I talk to you? I said, I told you, you can talk to me 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. And same with Mimi. We're yours. What is it? He said, are you going to write any more books? I said, yeah. He said, can I write a book with you? <laughs> and we're just starting the so journey. So we put that at the very front of the book. 
hopefully to illuminate people and open everybody's mind and heart and soul to the, the wonders of asking. And with that, yeah. I'll give it back to Chris. Unless you've got another question, we'll do the seven roadblocks. Well, I was going to say that it is a great story and you do open the book with it. And, and to your point, I think you even said in the book that he he probably, because of his passion, would still would write books. But think of, of the potential because you gave him the time to say, of course, you know, and you kind of encourage that asking it's probably that much more, I don't know, exponential or fruitful that, you know, that he did that, you know, or he may have been discouraged, right? Right. Or based on your reaction, maybe you would have squashed that dream. You know, that's the kind of, yeah. Exactly. Like so many of us like, oh, you know, that's great, but you got to wait till you're older, you know, being shut down like that. <laughs> right. we, didn't say that. we said, we'd love to have your input, you know, and, and he loves that he is the first story in the book and that he inspired <laughs> that story and it's his story, you know. Um, and so we told him we, he, he gets a little bit of the royalty because <laughs> that's he, nice. <laughs> he just thinks that's great. So, um, but yeah, we all get shut down and that's Mark and I determined that there are actually seven roadblocks yeah. that prevent us from asking, hold us back from asking. And that we each, we found that each person carries, we all carry at least one of these roadblocks, oh, sure. if not more Richard. And when you start to read about them, you start <laughs> yourself in them absolutely you? yes you do and yeah i can guarantee i carry more than one i mean i almost carry all seven at some point but it's so true it's a, it but you know one great thing that i've learned from doing this show and talking to you know having almost 500 conversations with people i realized it was an aha moment for me that these limiting beliefs and the kind of and the, and the doubt and the voices it's something that is kind of almost always there if you turn up the awareness knob and so now it's like i guess i've shifted from thinking that they'll ever go away. And now I just, I, I just accept it and I know how to deal with it. And I think, I don't know how, how that resonates with, with you when, when you hear me say that, like, so that's where I think of the power of like going through these seven roadblocks, like, oh yeah, I see myself in that. And I don't think the goal is that it's ever going to go away. It's just that it's a dragon that I just, I'm willing to slay. Does that make sense? It's, it's perfectly well put. And I, and I think that's exactly right. It's, it's the awareness that yeah. they exist and the deliberate attention that we, we put on it to make sure that we're saying, oh, you know, I caught myself again because life continues to happen. And, and those, those, you know, voices are going to come up again and again. And that's why it's so important to read a book like Ask, recognize those, create the awareness and then come back to it again and again. We say highlight the book, mm-hmm. you know, go back to it reread it because you get something new every time yeah. you read a book or a passage from a book. And, and it, as your life unfolds, the material unfolds in a different way. So yeah. I, I completely agree with that. That's why I like this book because it did remind me, it came to me at a perfect time because I've been kind of in a funk about, you know, it's a constant journey, this whole leadership journey, but, but reminding myself, yeah, there, I really literally am one question away from radically changing my life. That's that there's tremendous power in that, right? And I think that's what's so great about the message of this book is I'm literally one question away from radically transforming my life. I mean, that's how I see it. Perfect at every level. Exactly. First of all, I want to compliment you on the fact that you turn down the negative and turn up the volume on the positive right. because accentuate the positive. Next thing that you said is about the one question. We're saying it's three questions. You know, yeah. who am I? Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. I right. mean, when I went bankrupt, you know, 1974, our three channels, I asked myself, what do I really want to do? And I want to 
talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life transformative difference. But I, I'm bankrupt. I'm upside down. Six months, I'm sleeping in front of another guy's sleeping bag in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room. Go to my roommate's in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. I expect you have not been there. You've been no. to New York a lot. But <laughs> I, I asked my roommates, I said, hey, you guys, you know anyone that's young, not a, a doctor, a lawyer, a famous person, a celebrity speaking? And the guy said, yeah, the guy's a few years older than you. He's in Hawpaw, Long Island, New York. <laughs> Only car I had, a little beat-up old Volkswagen. It was permanently air-conditioned. Had to wipe off the snow in the window. Raced <laughs> out to hear this guy, Chip Collins. He and I became best friends. But I asked him after he mesmerized 500 people, I said, I want to do what you do. He said, look, kid, there's one in 500 chances or a thousand. Maybe that you'll make it. But I said, let me ask you how to do it. And I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. He told me what to do. He said, you got to stay out of real estate because I own the five boroughs in New York and I don't want to move. You do life insurance. Well, I did a thousand talks a year the first year because what we're teaching in the book is you got to ask the right questions to go in the right direction to get the right results. And every one of us right now in this cocoon called COVID lockdown have got to re-pivot, reinvent, rethink, reorient ourselves back to what you said with one right question. Yeah, and so how do we how do we find that right question? Well, maybe maybe do we want to list the seven kind of roadblocks or do we, or yeah, do we, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about those. the roadblocks for sure. Um, the first one is unworthiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that childhood conditioning that tells us kind of at a subtle level we we just don't deserve better. You know, and yep. it comes from all those experiences. So we need to recognize when that is happening and like am I stopping myself because of the sense of unworthiness so I just don't step up I don't ask I think at some level I don't deserve it um the second one is I and I love this one Richard because it's an important one naivete yes and I we tell the story in the book about um this Filipino woman who worked for me when my children were very young and she'd come and make these fabulous dishes from her home country um all the time and one day she showed up with Crystal and it was this juicy orange fruit. I tasted it. I said, Melda, this is the best fruit I've ever had. What is this? And she goes, it's a mango. And I was like, <laughs> why have I never tasted a mango? That's, I considered myself to be so worldly. I traveled all through Europe, done so many things, you know, traveled everywhere. I was like, how did I miss the mangoes? And, but it made me think like, I'm, if I'm naive about this, what else am I naive mm-hmm. about? You know, what else do I just not know because I've never been exposed to it? I mean, I grew up in Idaho where we had a lot of potatoes, but no mangoes. Right. So I don't, I'm not aware of all the tropical fruits in the world that might be the best thing I've ever tasted, you know, but what other juicy parts of life are we missing out on? What people are we passing by every day? And we're just missing the opportunity because we're naive that, 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 that person might have become the best business partner we've ever had or the best relationship or the best friend um, or what opportunities are we walking past because we just aren't aware. We're just naive. So again, that brings us back to mm-hmm. that curiosity, bringing, bringing back that childlike wonder and kindling it and starting to say, I'm going to ask questions about everything. I'm going to look at everyone and everything and start to wonder about it. I'm going to open up my wonder in my heart and mind because that's huge. That is one of the huge roadblocks. Right. And of course there's doubt, you know, doubt yep. is just that subtle gray level of operating that we, we do sometimes where it's like, yeah, you know, oh, I should ask, but oh, I doubt it's going to turn out. I doubt that it's going to, I doubt that they're going to like what I'm saying. I doubt this. I doubt that. And it's just a, like kind of a miserable gray area to exist in. And then there's excuses, which is really goes down to kind of that stubborn pride like, yeah. uh, no, I don't need to ask. You know, I'm, you know, those people, right? Yeah. They would rather, they'd rather, rather fail at anything than to ask someone a question or ask 
for help or ask advice. You know, I can, I can figure this out myself. I don't need that. You know, just that stubborn pride becomes an excuse that keeps you from connecting to so many opportunities. And then um, fear is the next one. You know, that's just really fear is just that terror of rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this happens with human beings because of our need for love and acceptance and approval. And so we just think, Oh my gosh, I, I'm not going to ask because if I get rejected, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm losing painful. love. I mean, yeah. that's really what we're telling ourselves mm-hmm. at some level. So instead we lose the opportunity or the breakthrough or whatever. Um, and then there's pattern paralysis, which is, you know, the and I'm sure we can all recognize this in our own lives at times where you're doing the same thing you did last week and the week before and the month before, and you're going to keep doing it next month and next week. And you know, it didn't work then and it's not working now. And you're just so stuck in your pattern Mm -hmm. that you can't seem to get out of it. You can't stop and challenge it and go, this is just a pattern I'm operating in. And it's, and it's not, it's not working. Um, So really challenging that pattern paralysis. And then the disconnection is, is the next one. And I think in some ways, this is the saddest one of all, because it means you've really disconnected with the dreams in your heart. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that, especially now, because People are in the state of hopelessness. I mean, there's been so much uncertainty that the hopelessness causes us to just become apathetic and give up. And so we're saying, please connect with the dreams in your heart again. You know, everything's achievable. We are going to come back from this stronger than ever. We'll learn a lot of lessons. And in the long run, we will be better off from it. Yeah, I love all of those. I mean, certainly I, I, I find myself in, at some point in my life some more than others, but all seven have affected me, you know, at some point, you know, and I, I really love the naivete one because it's one that you typically don't think about, but I, it's a question I've raised here many times on this show because it do, it do, goes to, does go to the heart of being insatiably curious. And I always wonder, is like, how can you, and I've debated this on the show with people and I struggle with this. It's like, can I teach my kids to be insatiably curious. I have always been curious, even when I was a kid, you know, I would read an encyclopedia, you know, before, obviously we didn't have internet like that, but I would read the encyclopedia, you know, I would just read it. And some people just don't seem to care. And that's what bothers me, you know, even as a leader, when I've led a team, I just thought, God, if I had some curious people and trying to explore and just, but some people don't seem to care, but I, I don't, I refuse to believe that, I guess. And so I'm, I guess I'm posing that question to you guys. How can we teach how, do, how can we get people to be curious? Yesterday, I did the, a video uh, virtual graduation for Life University in Atlanta, Georgia, Marietta, actually. And I've got 10 honorary doctorates, one there. And, and what I talked about was exactly what you're saying is you've got to be a lifelong learner. Uh-huh. You've got to be lifelong dedicated to two kinds of education. Academic is one, but that's not as important as your lifelong self-help action to you know, so you're a self-determining, self-initiating person to realize. Now, a lot of more, you know, young doctors, and what I said is, hey, look, you've got to be in lifelong practice of exercising your own health, because Hippocrates said, you know, physician, heal thyself. But secondarily, you've got to inspire that in every patient yeah. that comes in, because you really can't see them when they're in the height of sickness anymore. So you've got to have a lifelong you know, educational desire, that self-help action. You've got to decide that you're going to read at least one hour a day or listen to tapes. And mm-hmm. all of us are starting to drive around again, whether it's gas or electric cars isn't the point. We drive 300 up mile, 300 hours a year alone, most of us. 
And and even when you're driving to the airport, you don't take your wife. She doesn't drive to the airport no. every time you fly out. I don't think. Does no, she? Uh, nope, she doesn't. No. So therefore, if you're listening to a podcast that gives you what my colleague Zig Ziglar used to call a checkup from the neck up, then you <laughs> metaphorically go up and you've been right. in the heavens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing you say, and it's so true, and we talk about this on the show, is, is the intentionality behind it. There's so much intentionality. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes people – it's kind of like, well, okay, I'm I'm going to make the commitment to lose 10 pounds this year. And then and you go all out and you burn yourself out. I think even starting small and, and letting the compound effect take over, you know, just start somewhere, right? You know, read 10 pages a day. Don't read a book a week. Just read 10 pages a day. Start there, you know, do something. I agree right. with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's why I was going to say, Richard, just plug this in really quickly here, because it seems like a great place is, you know, like Mark said, we talk about the three channels through yeah. which to ask ask yourself, ask others and ask God. And each of those channels is equally important um, because they create a, a different effect in your life. And, um, but it starts with that self-reflective journey the ask yourself part, right? Yep. And so when we're trying to set those goals, you know, when we're not happy with things, we're not happy with our health and fitness, we're not happy with the way our career's going or has gone in the past. And we're not happy with our relationships. The best thing to do is sit down, with yourself, by yourself, and take that self-reflective journey, asking yourself these questions. We get lots of questions in the book, but basically the questions fall under three basic areas. And those, we like the critical phases, the first critical phase being, where am I now? Mm -hmm. Right. And all the little questions that come under that big question, right? Where am I now? Am I happy with things, with the way things were going? Did I even like my job before? Have I ever liked my job? Do I really feel this is my passion or do I just show up every day? All these little things. Where am I now? Because you can't determine a, a path forward until you understand where you are right yeah, now. So sure. where am I now? All the sub questions under that. The second phase is where do I want to be? Which I think is a very challenging one, right? I mean, right. But oh, it did, is. It did, is. Did, I mean, a lot of people, it's very hard for people because they just go, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. But what Mark and I always say, and this is such an important part of it and I think we've both been doing this. Obviously, his vision has been huge, but we say start at your ultimate vision. And I know this is hard for people, but just imagine for a minute you are at the ultimate place in your career you want to be or the ultimate place in relationships or the ultimate place in your health and fitness. Picture that and then say, okay, at this ultimate place of you know, my, my career, how did I get here? Who, who am I talking to every day at this ultimate place? You know. What things are important to me? What discussions am I having? What people uh, are my you know, best clients or whatever? All those sub-questions. So it's like you're engineering your perfect yeah. life backwards yeah. by asking those questions. And so I if I may mm -hmm. hitchhike on what you just said, and that is the third one is ask God. And what we're saying is two or three things. We're saying ask God 400 times before you go to sleep at night. It teaches in the book. God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? You're going to wake up at like 2.58 in the morning and you're going to have it, but you've got to have pen and paper next to bed. Yeah, that's a great Tell point. your speedykins, hey, I'm going to have the answer because when Jack and I didn't have the right title for chicken soup, Dr. Campfield and I, in our respective homes, I was then in Newport Beach and I were in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he was in, in Santa Barbara. We did that. It's called a thought command spiritually. And you say, 
mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title. And at about 2.58 in the morning, he calls me up, wake up the whole house. It's before cell phones. And everybody's worried, oh, my God, some the house is burning or something. But we answer, and Jack says, chicken soup. I said, for the soul, we got it. We got goosebumps. Oh, that's awesome. And we still got 144 rejections. It was Jack they didn't like. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, and I wanted to take the time to introduce you to Ben Hutton, the sponsor of today's episode. Ben, tell our listeners what Hutton is all about. Hey, thanks, Richard. You know, we're a huge dose of leadership fans here at Hutton, so I appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your, your program and be with you here today. You know, Hutton is a commercial architecture and construction firm headquartered in Kansas, but we do work really throughout the Midwest, designing and building things like hospitals, office buildings, schools, industrial and manufacturing facilities. But really, uh, more than that, we see ourselves as leaders in the communities that we serve. Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, knowing you all these years. I love your intention around leadership and your vision as a company. So what do you think makes Hutton different? Sure. You know, Richard, our purpose is to build life into our employees' dreams, clients' visions, and communities' future. We really start with putting our people first, and then we keep people at the center of everything that we do, which really means we walk alongside of our clients from the very first thoughts they have about a building all the way through completion and then maintenance into the future. I love it. That's why I'm glad that you're a sponsor of this show, Ben. So great. How can people learn more about your company? Yeah, so to learn just a little bit more about us, you could go to huttonbuilds.com slash togetherwebuild. Great, Ben. Thanks for being a sponsor. Well, I think giving yourself the permit, particularly when you're trying to say, where do I want to go? Um, and, and it goes to some of these roadblocks. Even some of those roadblocks will prevent you from painting that perfect picture. You know, you got to dream. Just give yourself permission to dream big, right? I mean, I have to remind myself. And what I do, too, is I I find that I got to surround myself with other people that will encourage me to dream big. Because even though that I'm telling you to do it myself and I think, man, I got a pretty audacious, you know, big, hairy dream here. Um I'll share that with somebody. Maybe that's what you mean by asking yourself, by surrounding yourself with others who are going to encourage you to even think bigger. It has helped me anyway. And I've I've had a handful of people here in the last few years who said, yeah, that's great, but why why are you limiting to there? And I'm like, why am I limiting? I thought that's the top. He's like, no, I see you doing this. And I didn't even see myself that, but someone else did. And I think that's important, right? I mean, what do you guys think when you hear me say that? You want to hang out with people that see more in you than you see in yeah. yourself. One of the guys we interviewed is our friend Peter Guber. And as a little kid, he's shoveling snow, and then everybody yeah. wants him to shovel snow, so he gets all of his neighbors. He figured out, as a kid, enterprise value, hire yeah. others. Then he goes to a university on a scholarship, and everybody's dating women and getting to go to movies and shows. He's got zero money. <laughs> so he figured out they want their laundry done and their dry cleaning, so he gets a deal with a dry cleaner and a deal with laundry. Gets 17 guys to collect the clothes for 100 a month. Make so much money that he they say, what else do you guys want? And they all wanted to fly to Europe. This is when kids, you know, did yeah. that during summer break and that. Right. So he starts Priceline.com, not knowing that was what it would be called. Had so much money when he graduates, married the woman that he fell in love with because he now had a car and a house. But he had so much money, he took the woman he's still married to all these years later, and I'll go there in a second, all the way around the world for one year. Is that cool? That's cool. So we're sitting with Peter Guber. Now, everybody knows that he's made 50 Academy Awards, Rocky and Batman and Rain Man and Lorenzo Arabia. And we're sitting with him and talk about big thinkers. You know, I came out of poverty, so I relative yeah. poverty. My Danish immigrant parents didn't make any money making little 
bakery rolls and they wanted me to take over the bakery. And I said, no, I'm a white glove guy, I think so. But I said, so Peter, what have you done lately? And he said, oh, I just bought a little sports team. I said, really? And what's that? And he said, Golden State Warriors. I said, really? Would you pay 170 million? I went, 170 million? And never dawned on me that anyone could do that. Right. And he also owns the Dodgers. Right. And, and the point is, if you hang around people that think big, your mind starts to expand right. because you say, look, the guy's really bright. I'm not taking anything of Peter's our dear friend yeah. and his wife and family and kids. But we, you know, it starts to say, wait a second, the guy's human. He puts his pants on one leg at a time and he's a, a regular guy. Yeah. Smart, but regular. It's so critical. I mean, it, it, pushing yourself because I, I even find myself, well, because the challenge is even when you say you do answer that, like, hey, this is where I want to do. You're doing that reflection. You're you're asking God. You feel the angels, the muse, the universe put something on your soul, on your heart, and you're like, yes, this is it. And then what happens and what's happened to me and people I've coached is like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then, bam, that resistance is real, right? This is where you want to go. This is where you're at. You know, Stephen Pressfield talks about it, you know, in, in the war of art, right? That resistance is going to try to stop you. But I think if you're aware of that, you're like that's normal, right? Because I, as a pilot, I, I love that old thing. It's like, well, how did you know you're getting close to the target? I got shot at more, right? And so that no, that, that <laughs> you know, I knew I was getting close because I was really getting shot at. And that's to me, that's resistance trying to prevent you, particularly as you get close to the goal line. You know, those are the things that that, that keep me going. But that's a great analogy, and I think you know it's just so important to revisit those questions every day, and you know, stay bonded, really stay married to your vision. You have to marry your vision. You have to be so devoted to your vision. And yes, it's going to seem audacious and crazy in the beginning. Like, Oh, that's outrageous. I want to be this and I'm doing this. But if you start every day repeating those questions, so how did I get here? Who am I talking to? And you start to define those answers will start to come to you Yeah. because once you start asking the questions, you, you get an illumination. It's like, Oh yeah, that's who I would be talking to. Then, you know, once you're, your mind answers that, or, you know, God is answering that for you. You you get these clues from the universe, from God's perfectly orchestrated universe, then, then you need to take action. That's the third step of that three critical phases is, you know, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And what specific action do I need to take to get there? So when you're asking these questions, you start to get those little breakthrough moments like, oh yeah, that person does this. You need to act right then. Yeah. You need pick up the phone and call that person and say, you know, I thought of you today and I realized you have had some experience with this. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Those action steps are critical to take you to the next step. I agree. And it's almost like when you feel it, it's, it, it is a, a, a learned skill. Is that the right way? I don't know if that's the right way to put it, a skill, but you're absolutely right. When you, you get that nudging, I guess, that you do take action on it because that it, it seems, you know, don't hesitate. Don't think about it too much. Just kind of to do it. I, Cause I know when I've find myself analyzing it too much, then, then it starts, you know, the wheels of stagnation start to spin. Right. And, right. and, and you get that, stuck. That's so true. And, and there's a reason Nike chose that as their, their yeah, tagline, just do it, just do it. Mm-hmm. just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. It's brilliant. It's simplistically brilliant, you know, just do it because once you do that, you've already put the universe in motion, further motion. You can't do any of this without crea- creating a ripple. Once you, you know, start yeah, asking the questions, you're going to start answering mm-hmm. the stuff. You're going to get illumination. You're going to act on it. And all of a sudden you're creating these ripples that start to change everything. You start to notice new things and life suddenly gets a lot more magical. Yeah. 
and I think it goes to, you know, maybe some of the tactics of how to ask the question. One thing you gave an example in the book that really resonated with me. And it's as simple as, you know, everybody's worried about money or getting out of debt. And so it's simply rephrasing your questions. So it's the positive, right? So instead of saying, Hey, how do I get out of debt? You know, something that I've always asked myself, like, how do I do it? You talk about in the book, maybe it's just a reframing of like, well, how do I create wealth and abundance, right? It's, it's, it's the same question, but it's one's coming from a place of scare, scarcity. The other one's coming from a place of abundance, right? Am, am I hitting yeah, that most, right? You know, one of the first books I ever wrote was How to Achieve Total Prosperity. I mean, it was like 50 years ago now, but it is amazing because either you have an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset, and all spiritual literature is the same. I mean, Christian literature is obviously John 10.10. 10. I've come that you might have like, mm-hmm. have it more abundantly. And he always took shortage. The boys come up, the disciples come up to him and say, uh, hmm, we got 15,000 people here and they're hungry and there's no McDonald's, right? <laughs> so he says, well, bring me what you got. And the kid had a little fish and a little bread. Well, he fed everybody and had, you know, 12 baskets left over. Well, the same in the oldest spiritual literature, the Upanishads, I got to be a student ambassador to India because they thought I was smart. I teased them or, or fooled them or whatever. But, <laughs> and, and the Upanishads' first line is, out of abundance, he or she took abundance, and still abundance remained. What does it mean? It means there's fundamental abundance, but all of us have been lied to. All of us have been taught scarcity, and all of us have come to believe that there's not enough. There's enough for every need, Mahatma Gandhi said, but there's not enough for all the greed. Yeah, I like that. You know, and it and it reminds me when you're saying that it reminds me that we need to tell ourselves, and maybe this goes back to the roadblock. I'm trying to think of maybe it's the unworthiness one. When I sit there and I think, well, you know, yeah, this is what I want, and I'll get excited, but then you know, the the wheels of doubt will kind of come in, or maybe the unworthiness. I'm like, well, who am I to ask for that, right? And you're like, and I think it was in this book that you said we have to get away from the belief that the universe is trying to conspire against us, right? That the universe wants us to f- see these dreams and see this abundance, right? I think that's crit- Absolutely. critical. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's our own negative self-talk that's, that's stopping us. And, and, and that's why sometimes I, I want to tell the story because it's such a beautiful story of that very thing, what we need to do sometimes. So if I can for a moment, oh, yeah. a woman in a book named Lynn Marquis, she came out of uh, college wanting to go into the nonprofit space and she just was so passionate about it. She ended up putting together, her first project was this um, fa- fabulous kids camp for disadvantaged children. And she made the camp quite extensive and nice for an extended period of time so they could really enjoy the summer because you know, the disadvantaged kids don't, don't get the opportunities that, uh, that kids with more money have. So then she had to go find the money for it, right? So she starts <clears throat> doing her homework and got, was able to get an appointment with the richest woman in her city. And so the day she showed up, this woman controlled a very large family trust. So she got to the office and she was so young and, you know, green in the area. She was scared to death. She showed up really shaking like a leaf visibly. And so there was no hiding it. And she just explained to the woman, she's like, I'm so honored to meet you. I'm sorry. I'm just really nervous about being here. And so the woman, of course, was very kind and said, you know, no worries. Just sit down and tell me what you're working on. So she sat down with her, explained the camp, the great um, benefit to these children, how wonderful it was going to be. And then she said, you know, it's very expensive for each one. And the woman said, okay, how much does it cost? How much are you asking for? And then she got super nervous again. And she said, I started stuttering. She goes, I- I'm asking for f- f- five. I- she goes, I literally said f- f- $5,000 because that's how much it-, it costs to put one child through the camp. And the woman said, 
okay, so how many children do you want to put through the camp? <laughs> and she put something like 285 or something. And the woman goes, great, I'll, I'll write the check for all the children. How much will that be? And Lynn was so shocked. She's like, I don't know. Do you have a calculator? <laughs> she never even imagined. Yeah. She came there so scared, so terrified to ask for $5,000. Yeah. She thought this was such a big deal and the woman was going to get upset. And how dare you ask for that much money? That's so much money, right? right. So these perceptions we have, but what a beautiful example of if you're just, and she was terrified. So she, she still had that unworthiness inside, but sometimes we're saying you have to just step on your fear with courage, just step on yeah. it yeah. and ask the question, go for it, ask for it, because you never know your, your request might uh, be granted. I mean, so far exceeded in what you asked for, you know, so just do it. Yeah. That's the power behind it. I think the moment that you can, the moment you can stop worrying about what other people or I don't know a better way to phrase it, but when I say stop worrying about what other people think about you, uh, I, I don't mean that in the sense that you need to walk around like a jerk, but you know what I mean? Like you, you the moment you stop worrying about your crazy, big, audacious, hairy goal, right? And what people think about it, that your whole life can be completely different and transformed. And, you know, you stop worrying about making mistakes. You stop worrying about how you look, how you feel. You know, you're just worried about making the place better than you found it, you know, and that's your goal. Then the, the whole, everything seem, seems to change. But it, all the, you said something there that, and it goes back to all the seven, I wrote this down, the seven roadblocks here. At the end of the day, all of it demands some level of courage, right? I mean, the fear and uncertainty, the fear and uncertainty, I don't think is ever going to go away. And I think that's what people have to get comfortable with, right? That fear and uncertainty is a, actually a blessing, a barometer of what you should probably be pursuing. And when I, and I look at these seven obstacles, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty involved with overcoming all seven of those, right? Which by definition is being courageous, but man, you, you work through it, something significant is going to happen on the other side, right? Exactly. And once you have that awareness of those and how other people have handled those and managed those, you understand, you go, because other people's stories are a metaphor for Absolutely. our own life. That's why Mark and I love stories yeah. because you see how other people handled it, how they got through it. They push through and you go, I can do that too, mm -hmm. because a metaphor becomes a pattern for you to imprint in your own brain. So the more you read about these stories, you, you become more like that person, you know, yeah. because we borrow that, those benefits from those beautiful stories. So courage means strength of heart. And what we wrote in the book is that you've got to have the courage to step on your fear mm -hmm. to make it disappear, so to speak, and also to go forward. And, and what happened is, is that when we wrote the book, you know, my big, hairy, audacious goal, sell a billion books, which I don't normally tell, but it fits right here what you're asking, because I've sold a half billion books. What's amazing is we've been doing these podcasts and people say, I'll just bet you think you're going to sell a billion books. And, and there's two <laughs> kinds of things. People go, you ain't going to do it, Mark. And the others do just the opposite. And they say, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to help you do it. And it's, it's amazing <laughs> how we only listen to the ones that do the second, not yeah. the first, because the, anyone could say, crush somebody else's dreams and yeah. be a dream stealer. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do is say, hey, wait a second. You know, the my book, One Minute Millionaire, we said, hey, look, everybody, you cannot look at caterpillar and predict butterfly, which is our corporate symbol, a universal symbol of high flying, beautiful, radiant uh, freedom. But right now, 8 billion of us around the planet have been self-incarcerated in a cocoon, metaphorically mm -hmm. speaking, or a chrysalis. We're saying during those chrysalises in all history, in America in 1980, 1898, the first depression, 
everybody was locked down. Well, four things came out of it. Your business came out of it. The Wright brothers figured out an airplane, your bicycle yep. shop guys, and your father said, if man was meant to fly, he would have been born with wings. <laughs> right. I'm sure you heard the line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or read it. Yep. Edison said, I'm going to do a butter, I'm going to do a light bulb. And everyone said, look, you had 10,000 failures. He said, no, 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 no. I didn't fail ever, ever, ever. <laughs> I just had 10,000 learning experiences. Right. And he did this mind thing. God helped me do this. Had a key in his hand. Would go into deep, because she's a hypnotherapist, clinical. Is it, you know, when a key hit the ground, he had the answer, tungsten, right, in a vacuum. And then we had the guy do the telephone, a little guy, you know, Alexander Graham Bell. And then, so we had electricity, we had a bell, we had the telephone, and then we had the automobile, internal combustion engine. I'm suggesting now that, and if people go to my website, markvictoranson.com, we're giving away the free book, How to Be Up and Down Times, because we're saying, hey, look, from 2020 to 2030, once we get out of this cocoon, we're going to do 50, not billion, but 50 trillion. And, and the 30 million people that are on unemployed, underemployed, or not happily employed need to read this to see what the bloom is going to be. And in your industry, it breaks my heart that I, whatever number I give is wrong, but 80,000 people have been unemployed, unemployed around the world. And, and, you know, I've told you, I traveled <clears throat> a quarter million miles a year for the last 44 years, more or less. And I love pilots. I love the mechanics. I love the flight attendants. I love the people at the airports. And it breaks my heart. And so they've got to look and say, hey, there's got to be a new occupation. And God's got something better for me in store. Yeah, that's it, it is always the challenge, right? It's easy to get so um, mired in the negativity. And I'm, I'm curious because you guys are you, – you live and breathe this this – Air, this um, this positivity, right? And I'm curious, you know, even with all the years you've been doing this, I mean, what happens? I mean, certainly you, you've got to have some dark nights of the souls, even though you're you're preaching this positivity, right? I mean, so so what do you do when you're faced with it? And I, I'm curious yeah, absolutely. about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good question, Richard, because people look at people who have success and think, oh, it's just easy for them and they don't go through these difficulties. That's never true. We have plenty of difficulties, our share of all kinds of things, whether business difficulties, family difficulties, you know, kids, whatever. Um, so what we have, we have established a, a method, a deliberate method of managing those things. And one of our most important rituals is to start our every day with this sort of prayer meditation time together, mm -hmm. and then sitting and asking the questions to make sure we are we on target? Are we prioritizing our top goals? Are we in alignment with our true passion, um, you know, and, and making sure that we stay on that track. Because one of the issues for us is that we have many, many people, many opportunities coming at us and to, you know, to us, I should say. And so it's very easy to get tra off track mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, this is going to be a giant thing and you can do. And there are a lot of magnificent ideas out there. But what we found is when we start saying yes to these things that are actually taking us away from what we feel is our highest purpose, mm -hmm. we find that we don't, that, that they just don't turn out well and that we start to feel off kilter in our own lives. So, mm -hmm. so we really, um, you know, put it through that system to make sure that we are staying in alignment with, you know, knowing what our greatest, highest purpose is and always, you know, checking in with God on that. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions to God is, you know, please show, will you please show me what my greatest expression for which you made me is? Yeah. That's what a great that, question. You know, yeah. reveal that to me. And I need that revealed every day because, you know, I, I can forget, I can forget what, 
my greatest. And, and once you start asking those questions, you start to reveal. I'm starting to see, you know, that I have these strengths in these areas. You start to see that for yourself. And it's really wonderful. I, I love that. I, I'm curious too, because I find myself when I try to get connected to my higher purpose and always asking, and sometimes, and, and I ask the universe, I ask God, well, what, what is my purpose? Where do you want me to, to be? And what if you don't hear anything at the moment? I mean, is that the time to, I mean, that has had to happen to you before, right? Where it's just like, what if you ask and you don't hear anything, particularly when you're asking the universe or God? Right. I think the most important thing is that you feel oneness because the minute you feel oneness with, with God and with God's magnificently created universe, you don't necessarily have to have a hard, fast answer that minute. Mm -hmm. What you'll start to get is an unfoldment of events, people, situations, um, realizations that you say, oh my goodness, this is my answer coming to me in so at so many levels. And, uh, you know, the, I, I know without a doubt that the universe, God's universe is so perfectly orchestrated that when you ask, it comes back to you. Those answers will come to you. And so before, Richard, we need to stay in that state of wonder and be looking. We need to look for those answers everywhere. Yeah. The- and if I might add. You know, when my teacher, the I had a great teacher in grad school named Buckminster Fuller, Einstein's best student. But when Bucky had gone to Harvard, got 15 doctorates there, 40 books, all kinds of great stuff. But when his little daughter, four years old, died, he went to the end of Lake Michigan. He had to be in Chicago writing for Fortune magazine at the time. He was going to kill himself because he then, his wife, Anne, could go back to her family. And he says two questions that are relevant to your question. One is, is there a God? <clears throat> and spontaneously it came through. There's an a priori intelligence in the universe. That means a causeless cause, a numeral uno, under any one of 367 names, whatever you want to call God, infinite intelligence, whatever. Second is, what is my reason for being here, which we're calling your destiny? What is your purposeful destiny? And everyone's got one. If you're alive, you still have a destiny. And Bucky said, God told him, your goal is humanity's comprehensive welfare on spaceship Earth. And I get to work with him on a world game. How do you make the world work for 100% of humanity? which we're all picturing still. I've got a hundred year goal written, which is one of the things you're sub to your question is once you figure out what you want, it's got to be in writing and you probably got to rewrite it every morning and every night before you go to sleep. Just Mm -hmm. one sentence. What is your dominating destiny laden goal? Yeah. And I love how you, it keeps going back to the intentionality behind this, right? This is, this is a day after day, after day, after day, after day event. It just, it's a lifelong process. And and I, I love, I love that aspect of it because I think sometimes we go to a seminar or we buy your books or we or we listen to this podcast and we get inspired and then we've all done that where we've gone to the, the main event and then we come home, we're all jazzed up and then we don't do anything with it. And it's just that I'm attracted to the kind of the messy grind behind the scenes that, that all this entails. And, and I think you guys get that. I mean, I know you guys get that. I mean, but that's when I read Ask... I see that in that book, that there is a lot of uncomfortableness in this, right? A lot of positivity. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I was completely jazzed when I read this, but I'm attracted to kind of that, that messy grind that that's associated with all of this. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but sure. Totally. That's what self-leadership's about. And, and self-leadership is if your destination is there, you're going to go through whatever it takes, those fiery yeah. hoops, you're going to go over, under, around, or through. And the example I like now is that, Elon Musk, who, you know, I mm-hmm. have to think 
is the reigning genius of our time with not one but four things. And and during the lockdown, they said, you will not make cars anymore in Fremont, California. And he goes, <laughs> okay. So he finds out there that 3M can't make the, the uh, ventilator. So he calls up the head of 3M and said, look, I got 3D printing. I got metal. I got a lot of engineers. I can do this. Just give me the architecture and I'll print them all for you and I'll make it. Well, he got that deal, opened up his plants, made 90,000 cars, became the fourth richest yeah. man in the world in, in six months time when everybody else got shut down. This is what we're saying is everyone's going to have problems. Everyone's going to have stop signs. Everyone's going to have detours. Everyone's going to have withholds. Everyone's going to have what we're calling seven roadblocks. And every one of us has got to dig deep, take the self-leadership, mm -hmm. the self-initiative to action, be self-determining because it's not the government. It's not the economy. Mm -hmm. It's not your spouse. It's not the education or lack of it. It's you deciding in favor of you. Yeah, it really is a personal accountability book. I mean, that's what, and which is, at the key in the heart of self leadership is, is the accountability piece that most people miss. And so you're right. This is a book that helps you with that accountability piece and get honest with yourself and get honest, you know, where you're going. It is, it's very, it's a very aspirational book. Of course, all your books are aspirational or in, and inspirational too, but it's just, um, I don't know. I, I just, I think you're right. Like you said at the beginning, this is the perfect book for the perfect time. And, and, um, even I, as positive as I am and I, not new to this and I teach this stuff as well. I like I've been in a funk for the last two months. I really have. And and I gotta be honest, reading Ask, uh, it kind of it re-energized the engines a little bit. So I appreciate you, you doing that. I'm so, so happy to hear that. Thank you for sharing that with us because yeah, I mean it's important for everybody to know that we all need those tools, particularly now. And when you can find a resource like that, it's important to grab it and, and run with it. Yeah. And what we've discovered lately on these podcasts is a lot of people have got the book now and they're buddying up with people because, you know, one of the lines we there is from our hero Socrates, the greatest asker of, of ancient Greece, of course. But you buddy up with somebody and they're, they're going through every one of the questions and ask together. And then they're finding out what you asked is how do you make sure you know your destiny? By the time everybody has gotten to the end of the book, people are writing us like 121 letters a couple of days ago. The crystal, we didn't have time to go through and, <laughs> It was sort of illuminating because they're all saying, I found my destiny and I didn't know it was because it's in there. It's it in it there. was intrinsic. God gave it to you at birth. Yeah. It's not it's not a mistake. It's not a surprise to God. It's a surprise to human beings. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's and, a, and really, I think it's. Oh, go ahead, Richard. Well, I was just going to say it's a salient point. I think, it, you know, and I think that's a huge message that I've tried to get across in this podcast. And that's why I don't even like the word empowerment because that that denotes the fact that you didn't have power. And I think I feel like what you just said is exactly true. We've always had it. Right. It's there. It's 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 our job is now is to unleash it, is to kind of peel the layers back and and, and let it let what's already in there come forth anyway. Sorry, Crystal, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But. No, no, it just reminded me, you know, we start the book with the fable of Michaela and we did mm -hmm. that intentionally because it's this beautiful, you know, parable about this young girl, Michaela, set in the time of Kings and Queens yeah. where she's literally working at, as an indentured servant at a, at a rock quarry and she's lifting rocks and moving them from one place to another every day. And that's where a lot of people feel they are right now. It's like life is heavy and it feels like you're just moving rocks. And Michaela, in Michaela's case, she had lost both of her parents, mm -hmm. everything she loved. Um, the bill collectors uh, took away her home from her because of the bills from her mother's illness. And so she's sleeping in a grove of trees. And one night she falls into this exhausted 
sleep and the being comes and he takes her on this magnificent journey and shows her the sparkling asking bridge. And he admonishes her to start asking and never stop asking. And she wakes up really transformed just from that experience. And she realizes that she's been missing something, but she still ponders this, this admonition, start asking, but then she starts looking at people differently. She Mm -hmm. starts having more curiosity about the people and the situations around her. She starts wondering, she starts asking them, she starts, and it's just so beautiful to see her journey to start, uh, start to unfold. And she starts interacting with her world and her universe with in this asking journey. And it's just a beautiful example of how we can all do that at every level, start asking and how, when we do that, everything starts to open up. Yeah. It, it, it is a great way to open the book and you're absolutely right. I mean, and going back to what I said earlier, y- you are literally one question away from radically transforming your life. That, that gets me excited. You know, and when, especially when you find yourself in that kind of stuck moment or you, you, that where mediocrity and stagnation is kind of taken over, you know, remind yourself of that. Just slow down a little bit and listen and think, man, I am one question away from radically, you know, one, one meeting, one relationship, one question away from radically transforming your life. And that there's a lot yeah, of power in that. Ask that question. What happens, like Crystal keeps saying, is the illumination, the revelation, yeah, the, the revolution, mm-hmm. and the insight. And, and because I'm saying everybody's got to wake up the entrepreneur inside. And I'm saying an entrepreneur makes things happen, but an entrepreneur finds a problem, fixes it, scales it, and then makes a vast profit. Because what happens is people should not be ashamed of being wealth, wealthy because the best thing you can do for the poor, especially now, is not be one of them. Because poor people, by and large, can't help other poor people get out of poverty. Right. And poverty at a lot of levels is a mental disease. And the only way to, to you know, to, that old little kids thing, wipe <laughs> your mind clean, is to be reading positive self-help action books like I Am Proud to Write and Create and, and the audios and the videos that go with them. Well, you guys are doing great work, and um, I love this book, and I, I, it comes with the highest recommendation. I know you guys have been pushing this, and I wish I would have had you on earlier, but uh, but I'm glad that you came on. I know you're probably not even in the in the heart of the of the, of the book push, but man, this is a great one. I think you know you guys really did fantastic stuff, and I agree with you. It's a, it's the right book at the right time, and it's just great Thank stuff. You. Thanks, Richard. Well, any last thoughts before we, before we close up? Did we cover everything that we wanted to in this conversation? I've had you on here almost almost an hour, so I want to. I know. Be, can get, you believe it? I Time know. flies. It goes when you're quick. Having fun. It goes quick. <laughs> um, so I was just going to say, you know, reach out to us. I'm at Crystal Dwyer Hansen on all social media. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Of yep. course, he's at Mark Victor Hansen. Um, and then definitely get the book on on Amazon.com. Ask the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. And then we'd like to invite you to. Um, ask the book club. Once you have the book, um, if you want an invitation to a book club that we're going to book, go to askthebookclub.com and just join us and we'll send you an invitation. That'd be great. And what we want to do is help people become what we call master askers. Mm -hmm. So they fulfill their greatest destiny. I love it. I have links to all this on the post on the website. And I really do appreciate you guys coming on the show. I'm proud to bring into the dose of leadership tribe. And this is really enhance the show having you two on here and uh, I look forward to having you back at some future date and staying in touch with you guys this is just fantastic thanks for coming on the show hang on the line and we'll talk for a minute but uh, thanks for coming on you got it Richard thank you 
Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.